Get this, a dating site for anti-vaxxers called Unjected. Unjected has been removed from the Apple App Store. While 47% say the unvaccinated make me upset or angry. I wish that he would go further to restrict the activities of the unvaccinated. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo. Rest in peace, Wheezy. The Unjected Show with your hosts, Shelby Thompson, Heather Kyle, Scott Armstrong, and Zach Brown. Call 1-833-3-UNJECT, extension 888. That's 1-833-386-5328, extension 888. Lines are open now. The Unjected Show is intended for an adult audience and may contain explicit material. User discretion is advised. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Injected Show. I am so happy to have you all here, and I have to say that my heart is actually racing for this episode today. I'm I'm really exhilarated and excited. And it's not myocarditis, just to- <laughs> <laughs> Not myocarditis, but I am grateful because um, actually the guest star that we have on this e- evening is a cardiologist. So it's not a problem that my heart is racing, but everyone, I would love to take a moment to introduce you to the incredible Dr. Peter McCullough. He is an internist, a cardiologist, and an epidemiologist. He manages common infectious diseases as well as the cardiovascular complications uh, due to both the viral infection and the COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, He's based out of Dallas, Texas, and proudly to say, a fellow Unjected member. Dr. McCullough, thank you so much for being with us this evening. Well, Heather and Shelby and Scott and Zach, I tell you, it's so hot to be Unjected. Yeah. You know, I have people come up to me all the time and say, Dr. McCullough, you know, what's really hot? What's what's really in? And I said, the most in thing to do is be healthy, be natural, and be unjected. I yeah. love that. That's going to be our new slogan. <laughs> that is great. Be happy, be healthy, be unjected. There you go, I mean, folks. Think about it. There's nothing better. I mean, there's a huge push to be natural. People want to be healthy. They want to look good. And, and you know, it's just... At this point in time, the key thing is to say no. And we know that with these shots, that they are <clears throat> their genetic code, synthetic genetic code, largely, that doesn't get in the body. I mean, doesn't leave the body. It builds up over time. It can't be healthy to keep taking something that's not natural. Yeah, we're really excited to dive deeper into that with you, you know, because of course, as you know, and injected, you know, we do feel so strongly that, you know, these, these are vaccines are bioweapons, and they indeed are altering the genetic code. And, you know, as a responsible population, we do need to, uh, you know, think about the integrity of the population going forward. And, you know, what's going to happen because of these experimental vaccines. Um, so I, you know, actually, I guess that'll just bring us in. Oh, go ahead. Into well, our I, I was going to say, let's just take it from the very top. You showed yeah. that, that intro. Uh, so I think the first question on the table is, are the unjected really better looking? than the- <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So yeah. I'll, I'll just go straight up. It's me versus Leanna Wen. 
Yeah. You win. Okay, so now it's it's Scott versus Jimmy Kimmel. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I got you, Jimmy. Sorry, boy. There you go. I mean, you can just go one by one by I hate to say it, but when you look at it, the unjected are, you know, they're better looking, they're younger, they're stronger, they're fitter, they're more confident. You know, exactly. men tell me they love unjected women because they just they exude confidence. They've really got it. Critical thinking is uh, much sexier in 2023 right. than we ever would have thought before. <laughs> you know, I never thought like as a doctor, I'm 60 years old and, and, you know, I've got a scoliosis and my spine's crumpled over. I never thought that, that it would be hot to, you know, basically be in this scientific field, but it is, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be on stage at the Clay Clark reawaken America. And um, I tell you, that's a big adult party. Hey, yeah. hey, Dr. McCullough, I was there today. I'm, I live in Nashville, so I'm here. So I'll see you tomorrow. I'll yeah. see you tomorrow. How was it? Yeah. What was it like today? It was great. It was fantastic. So we had a media booth. Uh, so we were mostly down there trying to like snag interviews. Uh, but, you know, I've met a lot of these doctors and stuff. And that's where what I'm mostly there for is to meet, you know, a lot of the doctors, your colleagues and stuff like that. But I got to meet so many cool people and then other just but, freedom but fighters. But you have to admit, Scott, it's yeah. a good looking crowd. It is. Absolutely. It, it absolutely is not to get the shot. That's how <laughs> yep. I feel when I go through Injected and I look at the pages of members. I'm like, everyone yeah. is so beautiful and aware and awake. Yes. See what's happening here. It's true. It's yeah. a it's a wonderful point you brought up. <laughs> and you know what? I found that Injected mothers are so perceptive. Uh, many are uh, you know do homeschooling. Uh, they're just terrific, uh, terrific mothers. The fathers are engaged. Uh, people are strong, not only in their diet and fitness, but also in their, uh, you know, their work lives, their spiritual lives. They tend to be really, really balanced people who've got it together. Yep, a absolutely. different caliber. You know, it's you know what's what's interesting about like the 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 injection itself is it's almost like a metaphor for how Western society has migrated toward a, a method of convenience. Oh, just take a shot, just take a pill, mm -hmm. then you'll be healthy instead of having to do the work, you know, uh, ditch the sedentary life lifestyle, you know, eat healthy, work out. You know, it, it's it's like a, a one-stop shop type of thing where, where Western society has gone, um, we're going to just do this one thing and that will ensure our health, which is not true. Health is a is a something that is recurring, and it's something that you have to make habitual. It's not like a, a one stop shop. Take this, you're good. You know what I mean? You know, you know. I've noticed uh, it's very interesting. Look at sports figures. Yeah. Look at the NFL athletes who who publicly did not take the vaccine. For instance, Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right, Kyrie Irving. Look at tennis, Novak Djokovic. Yep. I mean, these are people who really respect their body. You know, we did a quick survey of NFL quarterbacks, of which there's about, uh, I think, 81 or 82. Some very prominent quarterbacks, no vaccine, and they were mm. public. Kirk Cousins, uh, the list, Josh Allen, you know, it goes, goes on and on. And there was, you know, about an equal number who said they did take the vaccine. Uh, mm -hmm. like Ben Roethlisberger, and then he got COVID anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a whole bunch of not saying anything. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to the athletes that that really made a stand. I think Novak Djokovic did it the best. They interviewed him. And they said, are you willing to give up the title as the greatest tennis player ever? He goes, you kidding for my body? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. you know, these guys are seeing blood clots, heart damage, seeing people die. It's kind of a no-brainer to to a world-class athlete, right? There's like, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna miss this. Yeah, and not only that, what I would say too, <clears throat> having been somebody who was faced with that choice of, you know, you either accept the injection or lose your job. I chose to lose my job. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's scary at the time when it happens. And this just, again, for anybody that's listening that may be in a similar situation, regardless of whether it's pressure from family or friends or whatever, you know, when you stand on your principles and you stand in your truth, it may be scary or it will be scary and it may be challenging, but in the end it pays off so much because you know that you stood in your principles and that's invaluable. You know what I mean? And just, and then your life will take on new meaning and it will, doors will open that weren't previously available to you because you were stuck in that. I guarantee it. I've heard it over and over and over. And I'm here to tell you that's, that was my story for sure. So. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the topic of, you know, uh, talking about, you know, genes and being, you know, the sexy and in injected people that we are, you know, a, a lot of the, our members obviously are very concerned about, you know, transmission and shedding and exactly what this means with, you know, spike protein and the mRNA actually being transferred from vaccinated individuals to the unvaccinated and truly how important it is for, for us to, you know, be aware of this. Uh, so Dr. McCullough, do you think that you could uh, maybe elaborate on maybe how far should we go as unvaccinated people, uh, you know, to protect ourselves? At what lengths uh, should we go? Oh, I guess what you're bringing up is this issue. If, if you've gone this far, like, you know, Scott was saying, lose his job. Uh, yeah. And many of us have, have faced professional reprisal, myself too, mm -hmm. for not going along with this. The idea is that if you've gone this far, you certainly wouldn't want to get burned uh, by, in a sense, getting vaccinated by, by somebody else, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the idea. So, uh, so there's, I think, two issues at hand. One is the genetic material, the messenger RNA, like because that's most people take messenger RNA vaccines. You definitely would not want to get any synthetic messenger RNA in your body. So let's just take that first. What we know there is um, in a paper by Helene Banoon from France, uh, INSERM, one of the best research institutes. Uh, she was a former uh, researcher there. She's really summarized this and I think made a compelling case based on all the data. Uh, that the messenger RNA in the lipid nanoparticles is getting into blood and body fluids. Uh, and even uh, this week, there's another paper showing uh, that, in fact, that's happening. Now, the, the most uh, uh, direct evidence was published in a, in a paper by Hannah and colleagues in JAMA, uh, showing directly measuring the messenger RNA in breast milk. So if it, anything that gets in breast milk means it had to travel through the blood it actually had to get into various glands. It had to get into secreted water because breast milk contains water in it. And so the conclusion is that it's in oral secretions. It's in uh, urogenital secretions, sexual secretions. It may actually even be in breath uh, in what's called exosomes. So that, that hasn't been proven. So having said that, for sure, a pregnant woman would not want to take a vaccine because she could actually deliver it to her baby. Uh, we, and we, you know, if the, if the woman obviously doesn't want to be vaccinated, her baby may not want to be vaccinated. If a woman is vaccinated, the baby still may not want to be vaccinated. So we'd want to be careful there. Breastfeeding woman, for sure, based on this paper. Now we're down to the issue at hand, kind of dating, spouses, uh, things of this nature. We've never had a confirmed case 
where there was an unvaccinated person and they had sex or kissing or what have you. And then, and, and then there was transference of messenger RNA and it was proven. So far that hasn't happened, but, it isn't, but nobody's really tried to do that, but it hasn't been documented. There hasn't been a, a case where there's been transference of messenger RNA and then some type of uh, reflexive measurement, like a spike protein antibody. That hasn't happened. So we're still in the realm of theory, but because it is theoretical, uh, my advice right now is for 90 days. And I know for you young girls, that's a big deal. But 90 days, <laughs> no, and you young guys too. Actually, it's worse for guys. Uh, no sexual intercourse uh, oh. for, for 90 days. Now, having said that, if things change, and unlike Dr. Fauci, I actually change according to as the scientific data evolve, I may upgrade that. You know, that could end up being a year or so. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I think based on kind of the reasonableness of where we are in the data, I'd say 90 days. Now, I got a, a uh, Instagram uh, text message from someone saying that that she she's married. I think. Hold on, let me just let me just interject in here real quick, you guys. So, uh, everybody that's listening on the phone, we're going to take your calls here in a little bit. We're going to take your calls. We, uh, we haven't opened up the phone lines quite yet. <laughs> we're going to just do some Q and A's with Dr. McCullough here real quick, but we will open up the phone calls in just a little bit. So just hold off on calling for a little bit. We'll let you know when you guys when the phone lines oh. are open. And uh, so that's what we're hearing right there. It's just the. Uh, I, oh, that I, yeah, so I thought that anymore. was I thought that was Zach calling his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> no. Okay. I don't. I don't even call her anymore. Sorry. So someone contacted me and they said, listen, uh, th th I think it was the, 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 uh, the wife said, listen, you know, my husband, he took a vaccine in 2021 and we haven't had, you know, we haven't had sex since 2021 because I'm afraid of shedding. And it's, mm -hmm. it's really, you know, it's really hurting the relationship, you know, as you could imagine. And, uh, you know, I, I get, you know, my, my response is, you know, at this point in time, we don't know, but you have to pick some reasonable period of time uh, by which we, we think it's over with. So there's a paper by Rotgen and colleagues from Stanford's published in Cell, and it showed in about 60 days, uh, the messenger RNA is clearly in the lymph nodes. They found it in the lymph nodes of, of women who are undergoing uh, lymph node biopsies in the axilla. So at some point in time, the body's got to incorporate this and it, it shouldn't be so freely secretable. But yeah. right now I'd say, I'd say 90 days. I know that's the biggest dating question out there. Um, yeah. You, listen, they're on the hunt. These boys that didn't get on, uh, they didn't get the vaccine. They're on the hunt. They want, you know, they're looking for, they're looking for pussy. Not <laughs> listen, doc, my bad for being explicit. The second thing that I have for you is it because is the reason that, we're looking out for that is because whatever is in this vaccine is disseminating throughout the body where it shouldn't be. Like, is it, isn't it like oh. it's leaving like the localization, like the area in the arm, like it's a problem, right? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, you know, the other vaccines stay in the arm and then the body forms immunity to it, like a tetanus shot. Yeah. And I think most of us don't have any problem with vaccines. I know I took all the vaccines and you know, I've traveled to India. I took more vaccines. I, I, I just, you know, I wasn't resistant to them. And, yeah. and guess what? I'm, but what we found out here is disturbing. These lipid nanoparticles, to put a vaccine in a lipid nanoparticle, big mistake. The lipid nanoparticle travels everywhere in the body and crosses the blood-brain barrier and goes into the brain. And, and lipid goes, is, is like a fat, 
It's right? like a fat, mm -hmm. yeah. It goes into the heart. And so <clears throat> now there are studies. There's an autopsy study by Mortz, single author, founds it in the brain. It was a 76-year-old man, a poor guy had had a Parkinson's, he took it, he got way worse after three shots. And then when he died, they did an autopsy. It's in his brain and it's in his heart. You would never want to take a vaccine and have it go to your organs. Uh, there's a, a biodistribution study uh, done by Pfizer for the Japanese regulatory officials. And they demonstrated in mammals that the lipid nanoparticles go to the ovaries, they go to the testes, uh, they go to the adrenal glands, and now we have two studies. I, I hate to break the news, Scott and Zach, but I'll, I'll just tell you, one by the Chinese and one by the Israelis, sperm count going down and sperm motility. This mm. is, listen, that's a double whammy. What is what is motility? Motility is how the little swimmers swim. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. Listen, I'm telling you, you, so you have the number, but then you have how good they swim. Gotcha. And in both of these studies, it goes down. The Chinese study showed about a 15% decrement. The Israeli study about a 30% decrement. But every man is on a spectrum of fertility. It's a spectrum. So some men, by taking the shot, are going to become infertile. Now, the good news, both studies suggest a rebound. So listen, no more shots. The man's going to rebound, almost certainly. Now, with women, different story. Women only have a certain number of eggs. That's it. And so the lipid nanoparticles go to a part of the ovary where it could very well affect the eggs by two ways. One, directly reducing the number of eggs. And then number two, certainly changing ovulatory cycles. This is very important. There's a paper in British Medical Journal showing nearly 100% of women have their periods slightly changed by the vaccine. Yeah. And a slightly slight change in the vaccine changes the ovulatory cycle. And so the egg may not come out and land at the right time. And the woman's infertile. Wow. Mm. And, you know, that's actually one of the initial, uh, you know, motivations that myself and Heather had when we were creating Injected was, you know, there was anecdotally hundreds of thousands of women reporting these menstrual changes very early on in spring of 21. And they were yeah. being, you know, completely uh, gaslit and, and avoided in the media. And we saw that, you know, as a you know great concern. And, you know, I think that kind of brings, you've answered probably a lot of it, but, you know, on to our next question was, you know, I've heard you talk about these reverse transcriptions before and, you know, how they are in the body and being found everywhere. Do you feel, you know, at this time we could say that, you know, these are being passed on to the offspring of vaccinated individuals? Yeah, there's two sources of information that's uh, concerning. Uh, one is a paper came out earlier in 2022, Malmo, Sweden. First author is Marcus Alden, senior author, Yang D. Marinus, a very well-respected molecular biologist. They took Pfizer. They took physiological concentrations of Pfizer and exposed it to a human hepatoma cell line. So basically a rapidly dividing cell line. In Pfizer, uh, the body was able to take Pfizer and then uh, anneal the base pairs in the cytosol using an endogenous reverse transcriptase called line one. So basically as Pfizer sat in the cell, the body was making a copy to Pfizer and that DNA copy is what's called a plasmid that goes into the nucleus and then incorporated into human chromatin. It was certainly in the nucleus and almost certainly in the, chrom the chromatin, actually you know, changing the human genome. Now, they, they demonstrated 444 base pairs because they needed a reporter region they were certain they could track. 
And talking to experts, most experts believe the whole code, which is about 4,000 base pairs, does get incorporated into human DNA. And then separately in my Substack, both that paper and another paper on my Substack, Courageous Discourse, has found the, the spike protein really close to the nucleus. So this is suggesting that, in fact, the code for the spike protein from Pfizer Moderna does get into human genome. And then yeah. there must be some constitutive production or maybe even inducible production. Why does this matter? Well, you know, we incorporate the DNA and the nuclear material from Epstein-Barr, Mono, from chickenpox, varicella zoster, uh, 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 cytomegalovirus, other viruses. So this happens. But this one because the spike protein is potentially lethal, is concerning. So if it, if it became a runaway production or maybe in the setting of stress, uh, it certainly could be damaging to tissues. And so with somatic cells, they divide and they regenerate. So liver cells regenerate. So that means a parent liver cell could generate two daughter cells, and now they'd have the genetic code for Pfizer in it permanently. And then worse would be gametocytes, which would be an egg and a sperm they would unite and actually pass it on. Even if there was an unvaccinated and a vaccinated, they would unite and then pass it on. All of this is theoretically very possible, waiting for more labs to confirm it. Uh, but no one's been able to refute this work from Malmo, Sweden. It's very concerning. Are, th are these things happening because of the infiltration of the ACE2 cell receptor? Like the, the spikes getting in from there? Is that what's happening? No, or it's actually because here the ACE2 receptors bypassed. Now, in the natural infection, the spike protein is on the surface of the virus and has to use the ACE2, which is the lock and key. So it locks an ACE2 and then injects the virus. Okay. Here, it's the genetic material bypassing the ACE2. The lipid nanoparticles just fuse with the cell wall, and they're brought in. Now, they tend to have cells coalesce, and that's called syncytia formation. Uh, you know, by the way, this will give you one college credit when we're done in molecular <laughs> biology yeah. um, uh, offered at the unjected university. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, this is the genetic. See, this is the scary thing about young people taking their first genetic shot. There's mm -hmm. so much we don't know. It's way different than a tetanus shot, which is a protein or a hepatitis B shot, which is a protein or a meningitis shot. You know, no, no one really worries about it. Go, Those are just proteins. You just, you just manage it. Now it's interesting. There is a vaccine on the market, Novavax, and that's just, there's no genetics. It's just a protein. Now it's the spike protein, and it looks like it's the obsolete, outdated spike protein, but it doesn't have any genetics in it. It's, it's a dr dramatically different choice than the genetic vaccines. Mm. Was it, and wasn't it the, do you think it was the vaccines that was causing the mutations in the virus? Like this, these, these variants, I mean, Jesus, we, we've seen like 18 variants yeah. And they, the, the work, like the one that is, you know, next up is always the worst one. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, obviously a virus, we've, we've not figured out how to kill a virus. It seems that, you know, the more boosters we take, the more this virus goes, sorry, I'm on to the next one. And, um, you know, we, it seems that we've prolonged this to an extreme extent unlike any other virus that we've dealt with in human history. I mean, Am if you're I looking wrong? at it, if you're looking at it from that perspective in which I would say like they've, they've gotten, they've achieved exactly what they're looking for. They wanted to really make a lot of people sick, man. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. You know, it's easy to, to, to start to, you know, let the imagination run wild. Yeah. But remember Linus Pauling, 
you know, the proponent of vitamin C, he said, never try to make a vaccine against the common cold, which coronaviruses are common colds. He says, because you're going to do this, you're going to create it. They're too highly prevalent. And so when you have lots of prevalence, uh, it would be like having a whole ward of staph infections and you start giving everybody penicillin. Of course, the staph is going to become resistant to penicillin. It's going to form a superbug. So here, uh, two papers, one by Neeson, uh, Cleveland uh, Mayo Clinic, and one by Venkata Krishnan at a genetics company called Inference in Boston. They both showed uh, ecologically, if we get to 25% of the population vaccinated, we're going to get mutant strains. Now, it turns out that the killed vaccines the Chinese are using, the Sinovac, Coronavac vaccine, and the antigen vaccines, they're worse. So you get more resistant strains. And we learned this out of South America when there was an emergence of a Lambda variant outbreak, and it was directly due to resistance due to vaccines. There was an Epsilon outbreak in um, California, the same thing. Now we're learning this in China. Uh, China has claimed that they've Vac they've used 3 billion doses of vaccines in 1.3 billion people. That's the Chinese Communist Party claim. Wow. And they have 12 different vaccines. Most of them are just the killed virus vaccine or an antigen, which is just a fragment of the spike protein vaccine. Uh, the predominant one being the killed, the Chinese vaccine. And somehow when you give the killed virus to the body, uh, th th when the real infection happens, it just kind of laughs at it and becomes resistant. And even the original papers by Ralph Barrick and, and Vineet Menacheri from UNC Chapel Hill, when they were basically engineering SARS-CoV-2 2015, they described that their attempts at using a kill virus vaccine made things worse. They described what's called a hypersensitivity reaction in the lungs. So what we know in China right now, they're reporting 25 new variants. Uh, the lead ones are something called BQ and XBB. You know, nowadays you have, kind of have to know these letters. It's kind of a cool thing to know them. And yeah. uh, at any rate, it is a problem. They are reporting, you know, and, and most experts believe they're, they're playing it down. They could have 15% of the, of the country has it right now. And that's a huge percentage. Uh, some older, sicker people are going to wind up in hospital. Uh, it was on my podcast uh, 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 one show ago. I talked to a Chinese doctor. They said even the, the, the first infections are bad, but even the second ones are, are just as bad. So I'm a bit worried. I'm, I'm lining up an expert uh, to, to give me uh, some, some input on this for my next show. What people have said is, listen, in general, a virus will mutate during the course of a pandemic and it'll get weaker. That's called Mueller's ratchet. But in the setting of vaccination, if it's done inappropriately sooner or later, the virus will figure this out and it'll become more virulent. And that may be happening in China right now. So mass yeah. vaccination is very, very ill-advised. And when this was all being developed, you know, what I told, uh, you know, privately people around me, I said, listen, if a vaccine is going to work, A, it should only be used in nursing home patients and high-risk individuals, and it should be nasal mist, not a shot in the arm, nasal mist. It was the only chance that it was going to prevent this nasal spread of the infection. And boy, shot in the arm, lipid nanoparticles, and blanket the entire population. What a disaster. God, yeah, such a disaster. Exactly. What a disaster. It, yeah. There's By the way, just to interject, not to inject, but to interject, um, Ralph Barrett kind of got off the hook with this, didn't he? Like we, we focused on Peter Daszak and Fauci 
but Barrick was doing a lot of this. Wasn't he with uh, Shi Zheng Li, the uh, the scientist in the well, Wuhan lab? Right? Weren't they coupling? Well, I tell you, you know, you just just go on the government website. You know, if you go to the DARPA website, the Research Division of the Military, they have a program called the Adept P3 program. It's right on the website. It says in 2012 we started using messenger RNA yeah. and genetic vaccines to try to end pandemics in 60 days. That's DARPA, and the mm. money flowed from DARPA, and then the the research uh, unit of the NIH is BARDA. They flow to academic doctors, and and they're allowed to write grants. So uh, Ralph Barrick is the most knowledgeable person on coronaviruses in the world. He he was publishing on these in 1992. Wow. So what we know is, uh, you know, once once the U.S. military had this goal of making messenger RNA vaccines, the money started to flow to academic researchers and uh, and and defense contractors, basically. So, uh, you know, prominently Moderna, Moderna received one of the first flows of money to work on messenger RNAs from DARPA. And, and it was led by Stefan Bainzel. Remember, he's the CEO uh, mm. of Moderna. Mm. Uh, you know, he was the CEO of BioMU. BioMU is the French company that built the Chinese lab. They built the biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. So he switches after the lab is built in Wuhan, China. Then he then he switches from BioMU to Moderna. So yeah. Banzel knows the lab really well because he built it. Yeah, that's so, quite the revolving door. Yeah, no, yeah. This, is, this is in the open. You know, you just click on the internet, and everything's in the white. You don't have to guess where this came from. So Ralph Barrick, with U.S. government research, publishes the papers. They show how they made it more lethal and more infect infectious. And they had to subcontract the work to Wuhan, China, to this lab. The first paper they published, there's no Chinese authors. They just thank the Chinese for doing the work in the lab. The second paper, first paper's in uh, Nature uh, Communications, and next one's in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science in 2015, summarizing work from 2012 to 2015. The second paper, they include three Chinese authors, including the bat lady, Dr. Xinhua. But, but this is a, people need to understand, this is not controversial. This is a U.S. government project that made SARS-CoV-2 more invasive and at the same time developing monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. It's in the published literature. It's not, it's not a subject of controversy. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's in rock-solid, peer-reviewed, NIH-acknowledged you know, uh, uh, research papers. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Of the, one of the papers that Barrick published was directly out of UNC Chapel Hill. Like they, it was their letterhead on it. Yeah, well, mean, it, yeah, it's well, it's UNC Chapel Hill. There's some collaborators yeah. at Harvard. There's some collaborators in in Switzerland, and then the work is done in uh, in Wuhan, China. Now, just a few years ahead of that, the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston brought over a Chinese scientist to work with SARS-CoV-1 to see if they could actually tweak it a little bit. So there's a little bit of a story at at, at UTMB in Galveston. But, but people need to know the, the U.S. has government projects regarding biological threats. So we have DARPA in the military, BART in the NIH, and then we actually have legislation called PrEP. This is very important. So I'll just read from the – this is PrEP. The glasses have come on, folks. It's, okay. it's, it's I'm serious. Getting, I'm getting serious. Now We're ready. The, the PrEP. The PREP Act, the Preparedness, Readiness, and Emergency Preparation Act, U.S. government website. This is, I mean, this is all in the open. This is what we have right now. We have legislation and countermeasures 
ready to go for smallpox, monkeypox, and other orthopoxes, Marburg virus and Marburg disease, Ebola, nerve agents and insecticides, Zika virus, pandemic influenza, anthrax, acute radiation syndrome, and botulinum toxin, and SARS-CoV-2. Wow. So, so it's not controversial. The U.S. is in the business of biological threats. So there's two assets. There's a biological threat. We know we 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 have anthrax, and then we have the answer. We have vaccines and monoclonal antibodies. We potentially have you know radiation like a nuclear bomb, and then we have ways to try to handle radiation thickness sickness. This is part of U.S. biological warfare. And what I'm telling you, based on everything that's on the government websites, this looks like a U.S. government pr- project that was done in a lab in Wuhan, China, and something went bad. It seems Crazy. like a joint venture. You know what? You yeah. know, be I, I'd be interested to know Heather and Shelby how many uh, Chinese uh, uh, people are on the app, <laughs> just try, <laughs> just trying to find somebody in their country who's yeah. not. Yeah, in, it's, it's useful for that. It's absolutely useful for that. That's totally. true. Yeah, yeah. get yeah. your sovereignty and your freedom. Yeah, Go we, find it. <laughs> well, can they even access the website in China? I'd be curious. That's, to know and that. they might not yeah. be able to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Interesting. Well, here, do we have any more questions related to kind yeah. of our field? Gonna, um, well, what I was going to say is like like maybe stuff related to like intimacy, genes, stuff like that. And then uh, well, let's take some calls. Let's take some yeah, calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think maybe just one more question okay. that I had that I get actually asked a lot on Injected is, you know, as I think especially after what we saw with the 24-year-old Damar Hamlin, mm. you know, uh, collapsing on the field, cardiac arrest on primetime television. You know, this really was a wake-up call, I think, to a lot of people that, you know, potentially there's kind of this ticking time bomb sense, you know, as what I think a lot of people are feeling. And so one of the questions I, I hear a lot is, you know, my my spouse is vaccinated. Should I worry about them exercising or, you know, should I go and take extra precautions to make sure that they're safe? Um, and, you know, being that so many of these people are our friends and our family, uh, you know, that have been vaccinated, do you have any suggestions as far as maybe precautions that these individuals should take? That's a great question. You know, almost every family and friend circle is mixed where there's some vaccinated and some unjected. Yeah. I can tell you my family's that way and people in my Bible study. I mean, it's just, it's just what it is. It's just kind of how it happened. And what we know there is I have two um, recommendations. One, it looks like the toxicity is cumulative. And people have taken, you know, one, two, three, four, they keep taking shots. The risk keeps accumulating. And there's some good examples of this. Uh, Coach Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay Bucks, Mm -hmm. uh, pushing the vaccines, uh, you know, saying everybody has to be vaccinated, takes one, two, three, four shots, uh, ends up in in October, hospitalized for myocarditis, heart damage, Bruce Arians. Another example is my favorite weatherman, Al Roker. Al takes his yeah, first shot publicly. After he, after he lost all the weight, after he got the surgery. Yeah, he bariatric surgery. He's a great guy. I actually did a TV show with him years ago. Anyhow, Al takes, you know, one, two, three, four shots, gets COVID because the shots don't work. Then he gets blood clots, serious blood clots, gets blood thinners, and then he has more blood clots and he gets, gets re-hospitalized twice. So it looks like the more shots, the cumulative toxicity. So the first point is, don't take any more shots. I mean, it seems obvious, but you got to say it. This is important. The second thing is to be vigilant. That is, we believe some of this, there's some warnings. 
that people, you know, had a had a blacking out spell or had a leg swelling uh, showing uh, blood clots. There's a, a paper by Albrich, University of Iowa. It's on my uh, Courageous Discourse Substack. He sent it to me. They actually sent me the paper. There's a lady. She's 65 years old. She takes a shot. She's got an abnormal EKG at baseline. She takes shot one. She takes shot two, and then she passes out. I mean, she passes out cold, and then she revives. And she she seeks help. She gets a doctor. She sees an electrophysiologist. She has tests. They do everything under the sun, and they can't prove what's going on. So they put in an implantable monitor. So it's monitoring her heart. Five months later, ill-advised, she takes shot number three, and then within, within 12 hours, full-blown cardiac arrest, but now it's being captured Jesus. on the monitor. It's being captured on a monitor. Wow. And, and she gets CPR forever, 14 shocks. And she is revived, but she must be neurologically damaged now. She's in a rehab facility and it's a real mess. So you know, I think she would have been okay if she just didn't tempt fate with that third shot. And these cases are being published in the literature. So, so, uh, so A, no more shots. Now the question you're really getting to is, should anything else be done? And uh, at this point in time, I've been following the work of Daniels and colleagues uh, published in JAMA, where they had a screening program for the Big Ten, Big Ten Athletic League, but they did it at the wrong time. They did it during COVID, and COVID didn't generate too much myocarditis to be concerned about, so they shut it down. They weren't really finding anything. And, and what they really needed it, they needed it during the, the vaccine era. And so it involved uh, multiple blood tests and it kind of accelerated EKGs and then in some cases, MRI. Uh, so I think anybody of any concern with symptoms, you know, see their internist or cardiologist, uh, certainly history, physical EKG, blood tests, and then it may need to advance. Yesterday in the office, I had uh, African-American uh, fellow, ex-military, just a stud of a guy, athlete, and he took a couple of these shots and he had chest pain. And, and I've been working mm -hmm. through it. I've done two rounds of blood testing, multiple rounds of EKG echo, and I you know, did an MRI and everything's shaking out okay. And now his symptoms are resolved. And I, I think I finally said, you're okay. You're good to go. You can go exercise. But li yeah. listen, that was seven months of hard work. My feeling is, my fear is these athletes have taken the shot. They're not saying anything. Some of it don't feel it. Nobody's checking them. And then sure enough, a little scar forms in the heart and they go out in the playing field. And with the surge of adrenaline, they have an abnormal heart rhythm develop. And it, this can be months after taking a shot, maybe even years. And that's the precipitant for these cardiac arrests because the cardiac arrests are coming in hot and heavy now. I don't know if you've noticed, but almost yeah. every day in the news, uh, you know, I went out to dinner last night in Dallas and, you know, we're just talking. And the guy said, well, yeah, I was on a plane the other day and a 25-year-old guy had a cardiac arrest just on the plane. And they Not asked him, I mean, this yeah. is happening now all over. You know, it's, I have a very specific and, and somewhat selfish question. Um, I have what's called hemochromatosis. Uh, it's a, a, there's too much iron in the blood and it makes it thick. And uh, so you have to let, you got to give blood every three to six months. And one of the things that has been a concern with these vaccines, also with COVID, with the virus itself, but with the vaccines as well, is clotting. Mm -hmm. And we've seen people with, uh, they've had autopsies, they, they're pulling out like big clots. And uh, so, so to the people who are, 
you know, maybe have hemochromatosis, maybe have, you know, whatever it may be. If they have high blood pressure, a history of high blood pressure, is this something, you know, and I know what you're going to say, but I'm, this is lending itself to the conversation doc. Um, you know, should they avoid the vaccine? The answer is yes. Why? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Now, listen, we're pretty far into this. Uh, everyone, ha have you ever heard Anthony Fauci ever quote a study? No, no not once. No. How, how about no, no, no. Rochelle? How about Rochelle Lewinsky? No, neither. No. How about Ashish Jha? No, so, none no. of them. <clears throat> how about Surgeon them. General Murthy? Mm. This is an unfortunate theme. Stefan Bainzel. I don't even know these people. <laughs> We're going so deep. No, <laughs> you Albert, my no, they, no, that mean this is how far we are. We have people, they don't even know the information. Do you know? I know Scott Atlas, and mm. Scott's a contemporary of mine at Stanford. He was in the he was in the White House task force for a few months. Scott says these people really don't know the studies. They actually don't know. In Scott's book, he said, listen, they don't know. They don't know the studies. You know, I'm yeah. rattling these off because I'm a scholar. I'm a practicing now, is, is, doctor. Is that, is that the same with like, uh, what's his name? Tedros. Uh, oh, yeah. Tedros. Yeah. yeah. Tedros. They, yeah, they actually don't know. Scott believes they don't know. Hmm. And Scott went so far to say that, for instance, Fauci, he can't pronounce large medical words. He can't pronounce them. And, and one time, <laughs> well, that's because he's Italian. <laughs> and one time, Scott made fun of him, and he got mad because he just he can't pronounce like you know meningoencephalitis or something. But no, it, to, to your point, uh, there's a paper that's that's a really disturbing paper. It's on my Substack. I summarize this by Wu and colleagues. Wu, W O O, U.S. FDA, U.S. FDA. Now, reported on vaccines, focusing on Johnson & Johnson, but they report giant blood clots in people alive. Thousands of them, thousands of them, going from the ankle to the groin. We're talking whoppers. Now, these are in people alive, not, not cadavers. Mm -hmm. And it turns out 11% of the cases were fatal. Wow. This is a stunning report. Yeah. This is US FDA. This is woo. Now, uh, uh, what we know now is that now embalmer after embalmer, uh, uh, you know, um, undertaker after undertaker is reporting large rubbery blood clots postmortem. So when the body dies, uh, there, sh there should be liquefaction of the blood. It's easily drained out. The vessels are cannulated. Then a perfusate goes in. But what they were finding is the blood wasn't coming out. And when they started to dissect, they found large rubbery blood clots. And, you know, so I'm part of one of these work groups and somebody sent me a bunch of documents the other day. And I said, have any of these undertakers, have you actually figured out if they took the vaccine or not, or if they had COVID or not? And not a single one has, not a single data. So, you know, we're at the point where there's this general observation. I think most of it is happening post-mortem. Uh, we don't know the vaccine status or the COVID status. But we're, we're coming up to the second issue on shedding, and that's the spike protein. And there is a theory out there. It's called the, the spike protein super antigen theory. Uh, it was originally published by Aditi and colleagues that says, listen, we're saturated with spike protein. Everyone's had COVID. There's a recent Harvard study showing 94% of people have had COVID. If, and other people have taken the vaccines and they've had COVID. So we're so super saturated with spike protein that when the body dies, instead of the blood liquefying, it's forming these rubbery clots. I think most of it's post-mortem, but when, wow. the, when the studies are done, they you can find spike protein in the clot. It's physically in the clot. 
and it's amyloidogenic. It means it folds and it becomes rubbery. Anything in the body is rubbery. It's amyloidogenic. It's an abnormally folded protein. What we know in people with blood disorders, not necessarily hemochromatosis, but blood disorders, particularly blood clotting disorders like factor V Leiden, protein C and S deficiency, antithrombin 3 deficiency, uh, prothrombin variant 2021A, uh, these. What we know there is that if there's a tendency towards blood clotting, watch out with these vaccines. The case in point, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders yep. is a play for the Cowboys. He takes several of these shots. He's pushing the shots. And he's actually, you know, he was virtue beating Aaron Rodgers for not taking the shots. He takes these shots. He develops blood clots in his common femoral arteries. They shoot to his feet. He has toe. He has like nine surgeries. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, can't run again. He's a mess. You know, he did a whole docu-series on this. He never mentions the vaccines. He doesn't put two and two together. He thinks it's just the family history. Now it's well shown in the literature, family history of blood clotting disorders. The only threat specifically on hemochromatosis is if it's untreated. So if there's a very, very high iron and iron saturation, there tends to be a little bit of an erythrocytosis. And that means the blood is a little thicker than it should be. And in that scenario, now in women, uh, we have to worry about birth control pills. Okay, birth control pills uh, lean towards blood clotting. Smoking does obesity. Okay, mm-hmm. in older people, but smoking is cool. Obesity is not cool, but smoking. Oh, I, no, listen, I'm a cardiologist. I know, I know. This one thing. Smoking, smoking is so unsexy. It's unsexy. Keep no, smoking, folks. Keep doing okay. it. No smokers on this call. No smoking. <laughs> yeah. No. Now listen. Let me say that. Um, so these things that lead towards blood clotting, that lead toward another one's obesity. Uh, sedentary, uh, uh, you know, then you take the shot. The shot is very uh, stimulatory for blood clots. This is well known. Case in point, Herb Kirk, no, Kirk Herbstreet, my favorite ES Penn announcer. He yep. actually takes, uh, he gets COVID in 2020, gets through it. Then he, then he, in order I to know. travel, he takes some shots. He develops blood clots and they shoot to the lungs. He's all screwed up. He can't mm. make the NFL draft. So there's many examples of these blood clots. Uh, you know, Justin Bieber's uh, yeah, wife. His wife. Yeah, you know, yeah. we think she took the vaccine. She develops a blood clot. It shoots across the Peyton frame of the valley. It goes to the brain. They have to pull it out. They actually have to extract it out of the brain. Wow. So these, are, these are awful cases. But the point is, if one is prone to blood clotting, then we really have to be vigilant on uh, these vaccines. We also have to be vigilant on COVID. Let me tell you this. I've had two ladies in my practice. They took one or two shots, but like a year and a half ago, year and a half ago, but yeah. they got COVID because the shots don't work. They got COVID and that precipitated. They, don't they clots. weaken, they kind of weaken them. I mean, you like Israel did studies with their weaken the Jesus. <laughs> It's it's this yeah, but, entire but they, thing is but they nuts. don't work. But what I'm saying is the virus itself can cause blood clotting, and because yep. the shots are already on board, and it looks like the genetic material doesn't leave the body, and and the spike protein is produced. Now it's it it can be a couple shots, and then COVID, like Al Roker, where there's a blood clot. And I'm just telling you my practice experience. This was 18 months after taking the shots, so uh, so people need to be uh, to be vigilant. These were ones that shot to the lungs. And if they weren't detected and put on blood thinners, it could have been fatal. Yeah, absolutely. Shelby and Heather, do we have like a section for like uh, vaccine injured people maybe that 
that oh, there just you want go. to be done with the boosters and we we do, we do. yeah we nice. we actually started getting that question you know far into the rollout you know we had individuals that said I was vaccinated and I extremely regret my decision or they were forced into it yeah they were forced queen you know, of coercion and you know can I join injected and is it okay for me to be part of that community and you know we kind of like scratched our heads and thought yeah of course you know because when it came down to it it was about medical freedom and you know we're not one to choose if someone wants to have a vaccinated partner or not you know it's totally someone's personal choice but yeah we do have that and we also have some protocols on our website as well if anybody is injured mm -hmm. uh, you can check out those but i know we're gonna uh open up the phone lines for this last little bit yeah let's uh, do it let's do it let me just has... say one thing you know i i joined the injected web the, the you know the community i was a little worried I'm telling um, your wife. Yeah, well, no, because yeah, it, it was it kind of looked like joining a dating app, and yep. and you know, full disclosure, I've been happily married for 35 years, um, and so I joined Unjected, but you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I don't know if someone was going to send a message or something. <laughs> Would you get? Did you get? A, you, you get a big? You get a big? No, uh, big audience? No, you know, it turned out. It turned out a woman sent a message. No. Yeah, yeah, a no, woman no. sent a message, and you know what it was? She said, "Dr. McCullough." You're a fraud. The virus doesn't exist. You know, you're, this is all make believe. And, uh, you know, and she really, and there's a couple of messages, and I, you know, and finally, I Did, hold up, hold up. Did you message her back? <laughs> Cause that's well, the one that's a fun date. Oh. No, well, a, 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 it looked like trouble. It looked like trouble. That looks like trouble. But let, let me, let me just address this. There are some people who believe that COVID doesn't exist yeah. and they're considered COVID deniers. There's a whole group in England and we've had exhaustive calls and they say, it's just the flu. This is the whole thing's a hoax and it's just the flu. Let me tell you, I've taken care of hundreds of COVID patients. I've had some patients pass away. Sadly, we've had one death in our family. It's not the flu. COVID yeah. is not the flu. People right. die of blood clots. COVID causes blood clots. It's a completely different virus. It's got a different genetic code. The virus, people say, well, you can't isolate the virus. Like, yes, you can. The Chinese have isolated. The Chinese make a whole, a whole virus vaccine out of it. Um, the virus is physically seen on electron microscopy. Uh, the virus really exists. But to the virus deniers, they are vitriolic and they will attack. Uh, I'm just telling you, the virus is real. I'm, I'm not part of this uh, you know, controversy. I didn't produce the virus, but I'm telling you as a doctor, the virus is real. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, <clears throat> let's do it guys. Sorry. I'm still getting over a little cold here. I think I destroyed the COVID though. Like if it was COVID in any way, shape or form, I just nailed it. it. I still have a little sniffles going here, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, yeah, you guys, let's open up the phone lines now. So phone lines are open. Give us a call. It's one eight three 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 unject extension 888-1833-386-5328. All of you guys watching on Rockfin. Love you guys for hanging out. Uh, you'll see it scrolling across the bottom there. If you got questions for Dr. McCullough, if you just want to chime in with your thoughts or just want to say, hey, give us a call. If you don't think the virus is real, please call in. <laughs> yeah, We'd yeah. love to hear what your opinion is. Yeah. Just keep it kosher. Just keep it kind of like mellow and relaxed, you guys. We're so, all friends. Zach, are you, Zach, are you single? No, I, I am <clears throat> currently in an apartment with a woman that I very much love. Oh, very good. Um, well, you know, hemochromatosis is very well managed. As, as yeah. A problem, so you don't have so, to worry about that. Yes. The only thing I'm, I'm apt to higher blood pressure. Um, but I get, you know, I've been lazy and I haven't given blood, but I have to give blood. Uh, yeah. You know, I, three to six. Yeah. Holy but, Christ. But yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> Jesus. Welcome to the Unchecked Show. 
Thanks for calling the Injected Show. Who are we talking to this evening? Hey, uh, it's Vegan Jules again. Hey, what's up, Vegan Jules? Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. How are you? Um, yeah, sorry, I, I came in like you know ten minutes late to this to Peter's. Uh, um, I don't know whatever. Um, his thing on the virus. Um, <clears throat> Do you have any questions? I mean, I am, I, yeah, question or comment for uh, Dr. McCullough? Yeah, yeah, I've got a few. Uh, like, I, I, I don't think the virus is real. I'm, I've actually come to start to question the, the, the existence of viruses yes. at all. Um, I, I Thomas Callan on this, and like, I, I find his uh, his explanation of it. I, I find it quite makes a lot of sense, and it sort of dovetails with. Um, what Carrie Mullis said about you know the way that the AIDS virus had been um, pushed on us, and um, I'm kind of just like Dr. McCullough. I'm, just, I'm kind of suspicious of your whole approach. I mean, I'm kind of suspicious that you've been on the Joe Rogan show, um, and uh, and the other people that kind of go on that show, uh, like Elon Musk, um, sort of like these like halfway these people who are halfway in our camp, but. In the end, are they getting CIA? Are they CIA funded? Are they um, uh, are they really weffers? Uh, like Elon Musk is a weffer, you know, he's part of the young in the young global leaders, the class of two thousand eight. Um, so I, I really don't know how you're saying like the but the vaccines are harmful and uh, the virus is real because I mean, how do you you know have the you know that that summit that Bill Gates held in New York like about, you know, pushing up about the, a bit, the big pandemic unfolding. How do you really believe, like, I mean. So what's the question, Joel? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 question, I think, so let me, so I, I think to, to summate this, um, Doc, I think he's asking you, um, you know, how can you be so, you know, anti the mainstream narrative about the vaccines um, yet, I guess, perpetuate the same narrative that is surrounding the virus itself, I think, is, well, is what... Know, I, I've been very... So I've never been to the World Economic Forum. Uh, you know, I've never... I have no connections to the World Economic Forum. Um, you know, I've lost two jobs over this. Uh, yeah, I've been terminated as a, an expert doctor for no reason. I've lost two professorships, editorships, consulting contracts, I'm being sued by my health system. Uh, I'm being stripped of my board certifications. Believe me, this is not a party. You know, this isn't fun. It's not like uh, like that. This is a great thing to do with a, a medical career. Um, I can tell you, I'm you know at this point, I'm one of the most published people in the world on COVID nineteen. I'm one of the most published people uh, of all time in, in in heart and kidney disease. Yeah. Cardiology. Yeah. You're the, I think you're, I think you might be the most cited in history. Right. Right. But so this has to do with like, who's right. This is. And so when for COVID-19, the virus, uh, it was a threat for people who are older and high risk with the earlier strains, but the case fatality rate for under age 65 is less than 1%. I mean, yeah. I, I never was afraid of COVID, never. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm never afraid for my patients for COVID if they're not at high risk. So I'm not perpetuating, uh, you know, a fear campaign about the virus. I'm just telling you that the virus is real. The vaccines, you know, I published before they came out in the Hill, 
they were a bad idea. I published it ahead of time I, for everybody in Washington. Everybody at the WEF could read it. I said there was going to be bad. I was the first person to testify in, in a Senate to tell America they were bad in March of 2021. So I'm about as clean as you're going to get and about as different than Bill Gates and Elon Musk. The only difference between me and Elon Musk that's notable is I beat him on Joe Rogan. I'm the record setter for downloads and listens. Bam, there you and go. I, I think that anyone. Musk is in the dust. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, Jules, thanks for the call, thanks, man. Jules. I know we had some other people calling in. So let's let's have some fun, guys. You guys, any fun stories? Anything fun going on out there in the injected world? Let's see. Keep I, Hi, thanks for calling the injected show. Who are we talking to this evening? All right. Hey, I'm here. Oh, okay. Hi, who's this? Uh, my name's Steve. What's up, Steve? What's going on tonight, man? Well, I'm just checking out the show, and uh, I see Dr. McCulloch on there. It's, uh, uh, I do like to read his work and get his take on things. And, you know, Doc, I'm curious. You know, the, the virus itself is cardiotoxic. And, you know, as you've brought up, uh, and obviously it's different as a vaccine as just a natural infection, but how cautious do people need to be about getting the infection and then, you know, clearing the spike protein and, you know, doing any ongoing, um, you know, just on, any ongoing maintenance that people should be aware of. Okay. Yeah, it, it is possible to get the virus a second time. The protection from the first infection is pretty solid, particularly if you had it during the Delta outbreak. The Delta outbreak, uh, which was in 2021, gave the best immunity by far. And there's a paper by Chin and colleagues, New England Journal of Medicine, October of 2022. If you've had Delta, then there, when if you get COVID a second time, there's about a 60% protection there from prior immunity. But if you get it a second time, zero risk of hospitalization and death, zero. Didn't matter if you took a vaccine or not. So the only ongoing maintenance, I would say, is to stay healthy, stay fit. We do recommend a balanced multivitamin. And then virucidal nasal sprays and washes. If you start to get sick, if you start to feel a little viral, whether it's COVID, the cold, Scott, this will be for you. I'll bring you some tomorrow, Scott. I'll yes. bring you some of the spray. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, what I want you to do is just get a get a dilute povidone uh, iodine nasal spray couple sprays up in the nose, stiff it back and spit it out, do it twice on each side, and then gargle with a little bit of it. Just a little iodine, a little peroxide, very dilute. I'm talking five to 10 drops in a, in a shot glass, and that'll kill the virus. And if you can kill the virus and knock it down, you make it a much shorter, colder illness, uh, and in some cases prevent it altogether. That's really the only maintenance we suggest. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. What about, I tell you what, I tell you what I feel kills everything in my body when i take a shot of apple cider vinegar there you go i mean it i, f I like as soon as i feel that thing running down my throat i feel like anything that was ever living in my body is gone done that's awesome it hurt it's painful that's awesome. but i do it curbs the appetite oh right. by the way i'm glad you brought it up zach something else that works for the throat is regular listening and regular scope remember the yellow listerine that hurts too when you gargle but when yeah. you gargle 30 second gargle and let it percolate where it hurts. You actually want to do that. And, uh, you know, that has some evidence to it. These sprays and washes, by the way, there's a lot of evidence behind them and they're part of the suggested protocols. Now, people are really mad. The government never recommended that in, in my, you know, I have a book called courage to face COVID-19 in our mm -hmm. book. We put a chapter in there 
about how the FDA and Federal Trade Commission tried to block these research on these sprays and washes. It would have been so simple. That's there's awesome. a lot of yeah. There's a lot of research blocking with this. Looks like there's... we're getting another call. Yeah, so take another yeah. call. Let's get it. Let's get it. Was on, but I'm going to answer this next Let's get one. It. Hello, thanks for calling the Injected Show. Who are we speaking to tonight? My name is Candace Black. Hi, Candace. Hi, Candace. <laughs> What's going Hello. on tonight? Yeah, hey. Um, how you doing? Uh, I was just wondering, Dr. McCullough, I've I've looked at your on the wellness uh, wellness dot com at your vitamins for heart health. And I'm wondering if uh, if those vitamins for heart health are good for someone who is in heart failure. That's a great question. In fact, they specifically are for heart failure. So, so uh, you know, I recommend to my heart failure patients a selenium and B vitamins and L-carnitine. And so what we're able to do, you know, I did take an advisory role with this company is we we're able to make the have the company put all the separate ingredients, but in one uh, supplement to make it far more affordable. So, um, so yeah, so McCullough one specifically for heart failure. The other one that comes up all the time is for spike protein and detoxification. People have had COVID, long COVID at the vaccine and the supplement. Exactly. There, this person has had the vaccine. Right. So the supplement there for the for that vaccine part is Dr. Vandewater, Dr. Vandewater detox supplement. Now, th there are no clinical studies with this, but the one supplement I want to let people know about that looks very promising to detoxify and dissolve the spike protein from both the vaccine and the virus is called natokinase, natokinase, N-A-T-T-O-K-I-N-S-E. It's in Dr. Vanderwater's supplement. You can buy it separately if you want to, but the Vanderwater is very affordable and you get it through the wellness company, twchealth.com. But you know, as, as, a, as a full disclosure, I did take an advisory role at that company. That's awesome. So, so for someone who has had the vaccine and also has heart complications, what would you recommend specifically as far as yeah, I would recommend both. I'd recommend, I'd recommend the Dr. Vanderwater supplement for detoxification twice a day and Dr. McCullough, that heart health one twice a day. And then of course, follow all your doctor recommendations on the drugs. And so those drugs wouldn't have any kind of interactions with blood pressure medicine or no. anything like that. No, we specifically, we specifically made sure that wasn't going to happen. So. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Thank hey, you very thanks. much. <clears throat> thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. All right, guys, we got time for a few more. Yeah. Anybody out there in unjected in, in, land? In, in the in the meantime, what are your thoughts on magnesium, Doc? Um, yeah, that's a I've, that's a very good question. So, first thing on magnesium, the body needs magnesium, and in a lot of places, the water supply is low on magnesium. Texas is notorious low on magnesium. I don't know how it is out in Hawaii or. Up in Nashville, Zach. Where are you? Where are you looking? Jersey. It's Jersey. just yeah. Well, all we have in our water is lead. That's I was going to say you guys just have <laughs> contaminants or something. Yeah. But, um, and but, and but, spray tan oil. That's yeah. No. It's, the it's spray yeah. tan oil. It's spray tan oil, <laughs> olive oil, lead, and Roundup. That's all we have. But listen, a lot of people drink bottled water or filtered water, and they're getting more magnesium. So it, it, if there's a low magnesium or leg cramps or other symptoms that suggest it and the doctor indicates that the key thing on magnesium 
is that the magnesium that you buy in the store, which is magnesium oxide, is not absorbed by the body. You want to uh, head towards mag uh, chelated magnesium. And chelated magnesium comes in a different form. So the one for the muscles, you remember M, magnesium malleate. The magnesium for kind of uh, nerves, uh, what doctors may do it for nervous irritability, that's magnesium glycinate. Uh, but I commonly recommend in cardiology magnesium malleate between 400 and 800 milligrams at night for night cramps or for people on diuretic medicines. But good question. Awesome. Do we have a caller on the line? Yeah. And before we take this next call, I saw someone in the chat. Just for anybody who's looking for the supplements, that's from The Wellness, the Wellness company. company. So you can Thank find you. those at The Wellness Company. Yeah. Call. Thank you so much for calling The Injected Show. Who are we talking to this evening? Uh, Pat. Oh, Is that Pat? Hello, hello. Sorry, you're on the air. Go ahead. No, okay. All right, next one. I guess she doesn't want to find love. I don't know. I, don't I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> Doctor McCullough, are you good for a few more minutes here? I am, but you know, I wanted okay. to actually see myself on Twitter. Okay, so yeah, you should be. Just go to your Twitter page. You should be live and live in full effect. Oh, let's Speaking see of can... love, Dr. McCullough, do you have any words of advice since you've had such a long, wonderful marriage with your wife, Maha? No, what is the secret yes, to love? I mean, people do remark that uh, my wife and I both turned 60 years old and been married 35 years uh, of uh, happily married. Um, you know, marriage is an art form. And I think all of us, uh, certainly in the course of our life, make a variety of mistakes and I think it's important, you know, forgiveness is a big part of this and and understanding that it's, uh, you know, it's a commitment over a long period of time. Uh, it's very hard when you're 25 to, to make the series of right choices. And some people are fortunate and some people are less fortunate, but, but the good Lord gives us many uh, opportunities uh, and, and we all grow and, and uh, you know, we, we actually mature our entire lives. So yeah. I, I think at 60, I'm more mature than I was at 40. I mean, it's just maturity doesn't stop during puberty. But um, no, it's, it's a very good institution. And thank goodness my wife has been so good during these difficult times because many people know th that I just didn't go along with this narrative. I, I just yeah. couldn't have my patients take these shots and get blood clots and heart damage. And, and I, I just couldn't ethically do it. And I did take a stand and it changed the course of my career, changed the course of our marriage and our life. Uh, but it, it's these commitments that really matter. I'd, I'd say the other thing that happened in our marriage was uh, in the last two years, you saw me on Fox News, whatever, you, you know, we've had my wife's uh, father died in our house. He's quite elderly at 98. And then my, my father just died at 83. But so I could have been changing a diaper or, or flushing an IV line or giving some medicine, then you'd see me on national TV and I'd try to have it together and give some commentary. So I, I, I've been managing uh, both children and parents uh, for the last few years. It's called the sandwich generation. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, wow. I, I mean, that's that's a question too. That would, I mean, the toll throughout this entire thing on you. Yeah. I mean, it had to be, there had to be, you know, there had to be a wait. And speaking of actually just kind of what you were just mentioning, I saw your book behind you, you know, The Courage to Face COVID-19. And, uh, you know, it was actually, I was speaking with, uh, I believe, you know, our mutual friend, Stephanie, and we were talking about uh, about the book and, and gosh, in the back of the book, you mentioned, you know, it was I, actually a year ago, almost we were 
doing the defeat the mandates rally in DC. And you had wrote, you know, that, you know, at that moment when you were speaking in front of the crowd, that you realized that you weren't just a cardiologist, but you were actually a public servant. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to to say thank you for, you know, that, that epiphany that you had and, and taking so much of your life and, you know, time from your, you know, personal relationships and your wife to stand in the front lines of freedom and always using your voice. And you You guys, what I would say is on that, I tried messaging you. What you could do is turn the slider down on the phone uh, channel until we get a caller on the line and then you turn it back. Okay. I've got one right now. Let's say come on. It's kind of like fishing. You kind of catch a fish. (laughs) Thank you for calling the injected show. Who are we talking to this evening? Hey, Chaz. Nice to meet you all. Hey, what was your name? I'm Chaz. I'm I'm the guy that went skiing with Jules, the fellow oh. that just called you. And I think I think I may be the I think I may be one of the first two people to find a uh, uh, a girlfriend on on Unjected. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. yeah. Hey, you got a sound effect for that, girls, on the soundboard? What's the sound effect? Oh, it's a little low, but that's all right. It's there. There you go. Awesome, right hey, back, folks. Congrats, brother, man. That's so cool. Um, that's what it's there for. You know, it's so encouraging to find like hearing actual stories of people finding love and success through the platform that, uh, you know, these girls so diligently built, man. That's so cool. Thank you. Do you have a question Thank tonight you. for Dr. McCullough? Um, well, <laughs> um, I don't want to, I don't want to increase the heat or anything. And, uh, Dr. McCullough, it's, a, it's an honor to, to talk to you. Um, and thank you for all the work that you've done. Um, but I am another naysayer of um, virology in general. I, you know, based on the past three years, I have come to have zero faith in conventional wisdom on vaccines and virology. And um, I studied biology. I'm a chemistry teacher, all this stuff. I'm a lawyer also. Um, not that that matters. I mean, none of that, none of this credentialism matters for anything anymore because there really isn't anything. I mean, peer review doesn't really matter either for that, you know, uh, so far as that goes, right? Because that process is thoroughly corrupted, as we know. Um, so, yeah, um, is uh, is the coronavirus vaccine bad for you? You bet it is. Uh, my, you know, my landlord's uh, wife is, uh, you know, woke up defecating blood after getting the vaccine and, and uh, you know, very nearly had to have heart surgery. Um, yeah, it's it's really bad for you. But is there such a thing as a SARS-CoV-2 virus that is capable of transmitting disease? Um, you know, if there were, I probably would have got it. I came from Korea, right? I came to the United States. I never wore a mask or anything. I, I never took any precautions of any sort. And yet here I am having never fallen ill in the last four years, let's say three and a half years. And, uh, and I, I just don't believe that there is a uh, an infectious agent such I mean that, is, that that there is a virus causing contagion. Can you isolate the SARS-CoV-2 virus maybe, you know, using the questionable processes that we have to isolate viruses, but then can you prove can you infect another person with that virus and cause illness in that person? Maybe. But look, we obviously have been counting the flu as COVID-19. Let's not, you know, let's not be uh, naive. We obviously were counting everything that came through the hospital door as COVID-19 because of the kickbacks that go to the medical industry for doing so. We we know that. Um, But also, 
we also know that 5G microwave radiation can cause so-called COVID system, you know, symptoms. We also know that graphene poisoning, uh, you know, from graphene oxide, that can cause COVID-19 symptoms. And um, even, you know, it, I mean, it may, it may be like a joke, but even synthetic cobra venom is capable of causing what you would call COVID-19 symptoms, especially given that pretty much anything is considered a COVID-19 symptom from a neurological symptom to a respiratory symptom to a skin rash. Um, so the definition of COVID-19 symptoms was so... Uh, yeah, like if, I could, if, I could, if I can inter- interject here um, as the least qualified person on the fucking show right now, um, there's a difference, pro- I think, and I, I think I know what you're tr- the, the point you're trying to make. There's a difference between overcounting COVID-19 deaths and COVID-19 not being something that exists. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, let me, it's, let me it, just, let me just jump in there. Listen, yeah. I, I've done, I've done plenty of sessions with COVID deniers. And what I've said is, listen, if COVID doesn't exist, just tell me what it is because it, it's an infection. It, it, no, but hang on. Let I me finish. Let, let me finish. It, it's an, inf- it looks like it's an infection. It causes a fever. It causes tremendous inflammation. Uh, we can't oxygenate the patients. And when they die, the lungs are filled with blood clots. So if it's not SARS-CoV-2, just tell me what it is. What causes that? Okay, I'm telling you that it could be caused by 5G microwave radiation. And there's no, no power out. on that's every no, that's out. Do they, you have around, to do that. 5G around. doesn't do that. Graphene doesn't do that. No, that's out. Flu doesn't do it. It's out. See, that's the problem with the COVID denying thing is you quickly, you're out of ammo. You just don't have any explanation for it. So, uh, you what know, I'm, I'm telling you I, is I, that you don't have an explanation either. You also do not have an explanation. Yeah, well, you no, some no, people get sick. No, Look, I do. And, and, Dr. McCullough, don't railroad me. Listen. There was no increased mortality from 2019 to 2020 prior to the you know inception of these uh, injections. There were no more people dying than had previously been dying. So there clearly was not a pandemic, right? Now, was there a virus? Possibly, it's possible. What I'm saying is that none of us and and yeah, I get it. You see patients and and you have your perspective, and I get it that you are deeply immersed in conventional wisdom. However, there was no increase in the death rate due to uh, this uh, supposed virus. And we know that, you know, the, uh, how do you say, mortality, the morbidity of the virus is wildly overstated. Was there a virus? My answer to that is maybe. Does a virus, you know, does any virus cause uh, communicable disease? Maybe. But was there a pandemic caused by a SARS-CoV-2 virus? No, there was not. And that's that's all I have to say, guys. Thank you very okay. much for giving me this time. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, just to, just to oh, put bye. an explanation point on th- this idea of of trying to go to ma- these kind of macro numbers counting and, and and the autopsies and physically what's there. The, the the virus is very well characterized. You know, it has fifteen proteins that generate antibodies to it. This is well known. The full genetic sequence is known. You can physically see it on electron microscopy. The Chinese physically make a vaccine with the killed virus. So you just heard a series of arguments that just honestly just fall away when they say the virus doesn't exist. It exists and it did cause death. 
this issue of counting is a separate issue, but the, the virus, uh, it, it clearly exists. I haven't heard anything compelling, and that included, that would say it doesn't exist. Okay, okay, let's do this. This is the last call, you guys, and then we got to wrap the show. So, last call. Coming from New Jersey. Okay, what's up, New Jersey? Nice. Gross. Thanks for calling the Injected Show. Who are we talking to this evening? Patty. Patty. Hi, Patty. What's going on, Patty? Hi, how are you? Patty, where in New Jersey are you Hi, from? I to, uh, I'm from South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. Okay, I'm north. So, what's the uh, so what's the question? What's the comment? Hi, this is Patty, and I have a question for Dr. McCullough. Okay, we got a few minutes left. We do I'm have a well. hard out in about less than 10 minutes, so like, let's do it. What you got? Okay, great. Uh, I have a brother, Dr. McCullough, who was vaccinated, and I'm not sure. So the question is, he had a subarachnoid brain bleed, which, which he survived, thankfully. You still there? Patty? Hi, I have a question. Yes, uh, yes yeah, I am. No, Can you ahead. hear me? Yeah, you're on the yeah. air. Go ahead. Okay. Yep, my brother had a subarachnoid brain bleed, and then months later, he was also diagnosed with late-stage prostate cancer. I'm wanting to know if these two are related to the vaccine, and why, why him? Why not his wife? Yes. Okay, well, they, they regarding the brain bleed, that's been well described after the vaccine. There's a paper by Von Dag Berhild in JAMA from three Nordic countries, 7,750 neurologically devastating blade, brain bleeds and clots. And with subarachnoid hemorrhage, it's almost uh, uh, always a, a sh the blood pressure skyrocketed after the vaccine, and then it burst the blood vessel and caused hemorrhage into the brain. It's almost certainly the, the case there. Prostate cancer is usually uh, you know, present for a very, very long time. Um, and uh, it, it may have just you know, been detected or had its own natural course. Uh, at this point in time, I am not um, ready to call a cancer connection to the vaccines. I know some other doctors are making those calls. I, I, I still want to examine the evidence a bit more. I'm, I'm a bit more cautious on the cancer connection. The, the, the FDA agrees the vaccines cause heart damage. They cause brain damage. They cause blood clotting and bleeding. We can just go with what the FDA says because that's pretty bad stuff as it is. Right now, the FDA is not admitting a cancer leak, a link at this point. And I, I know okay. you have to hop I off. That, uh, I know you have to hop off. And uh, thank you, Patty. Thank you, Patty, for, for calling right, thank in. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Thanks, Patty. Um, Holy crap, I, guys. We did it, dude. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. So, yeah. girls, I would just turn down that phone channel so it doesn't keep yeah, ringing. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just have one more question for, cool. for Dr. McCullough um, as we're wrapping up here. I know you have to hop off. Um, is, is the you know the blood clots, the brain aneurysm type of uh, – activity post injection is that because of the breach of the blood brain barrier or, or what is it exactly that's causing yeah. those types of activities post injection well two things one the vaccine gets into the brain and causes uh, a form of a vasculitis almost a, a a vasculitis encephalitis it's been shown in the autopsy when they do autopsies of the brain it does not look good at all there's inflammation there 
And then mm -hmm. the second thing is in some people, the vaccines cause a tremendous surge in blood pressure. That's been published in the journal Hypertension. And the surge of blood pressure into friable inflamed blood vessels, it can rupture and cause the, the brain bleed. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's the, that's the pathogenesis. Now there's a separate uh, entity called VITT, vaccine-induced thrombocytic pepinic purpurea. It happens with Johnson Johnson, AstraZeneca. That's different where the platelet counts go very low and then there's spontaneous bleeding within the, the brain. It can be a subarachnoid or sub, uh, subdural hematoma. Uh, that's a different pathophysiology, but we've seen aortic dissections. That's been reported in the literature. Uh, lots of brain damage and neurologically damaged, uh, damaging strokes. Uh, and, and you, you know, it sounds like we're describing war wounds. I mean, this is a self-administered vaccine, and it's just, it's, it's just such a disaster to take. And I think if yeah. anybody had heard this, I'm just trying to be fair to this. I've never seen an injection that caused this much damage in my whole career. I couldn't imagine. Well, so, so for a person who has high blood pressure um, and has is, is prone to clotting, I know COVID has the tendency to create clotting. Um, what's more of a risk, them getting COVID or them having a, 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 an adverse reaction to the vaccine? What's the, the, uh, the vaccine is way worse. Remember, the vaccine has lost all theoretical benefits. So you're not going to get any benefit from the vaccine anyway. And we can treat COVID. You know, we commonly use the McCullough protocol. We use aspirin. Uh, we use a variety of different drugs. With COVID, the acute illness, by the way, the blood pressure always goes down. So we actually have to subtract blood pressure medicines. My my dad got COVID. Uh, it's in my book, Courage to Face COVID-19. One of the first things we did, we had to back down his blood pressure medicine because blood pressure got very low for a period of time until he, uh, you know, unfortunately he survived. Good. Okay. Um, I yeah, because I think we're probably going to get wrapping up the show. Um, you know, I think we just want to thank you so much, Dr. McCullough, for all of your time this evening and spending it here. At uh, you know, with us on the Injected show and, uh, you know, taking live calls and all of your expertise. Yeah, we're going to need you back on here, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Off the hook. When we, as soon as we iron out the calling situation, yeah, yeah we'll get it figured we'll, out. We'll, we'll have you back. Out. Well, <laughs> I wanted to hear Heather and Shelby give like dating advice. It kind of got to these medical questions. I know. So, well, I know. No, we'll have is, to do a show just for dating, dating yeah, advice. Yeah. That'll be yeah. the follow up. <laughs> yep, definitely, definitely. So, okay. yeah, Dr. So who's going to be at Clay Clark? Uh, Scott, so I will see you tomorrow. So, Dr. McCullough, uh, Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond, who I know you know, uh, we're going to be there doing interviews in the media booth. So, we'd love to have you stop by. And we'll, uh, like, I don't know if you know, but him and myself and Courtney Turner, another great podcast, we're starting our own little uh, media company. So, We'd love oh, to have right. you down. We're going to love to have you at the booth tomorrow to do some interviews. But yes, I get tomorrow. in around 1130. Okay, so perfect. figure I'll get there maybe about 1230. I think I'm on stage uh, around 430 or so. Uh, cool. You know, if anybody hasn't gone to these Reawaken yeah, America, it's like a big adult party. It's great. I know General Flynn and Mike Lindell and and so many uh, people just, uh, you know, it's a great, so, you know, it's, it's patriotic. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not a hardcore right winger. I'm politically kind yeah. of in the middle. Me neither. But, uh, you know, they take me in. Yeah, that's great. Well, Dr. McCullough, thank you so much for taking the time. It was just truly an honor having you on the show. You know, I'm sure everybody, it's a very informative episode. You know, we want to have a lot of fun here because I know you spend so much time in the weeds talking about these really deep topics. And so we were hoping to have some fun. You know, it is what it is. But thank you so much. It's so informative. Um, you guys, I'm so excited. You know, this is going to, this is this a, a good one. So thank you, Dr. McCullough. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much, Dr. McCullough. Just, thank just you so for you, everything. Just so you know, Doc, I'm going to be calling into that media booth telling you that COVID didn't 
exist. <laughs> yeah. so you better be you better be prepped. Yeah, yeah. There are people, there are people in the UK that are going nuts on this. They go, This is just the flu. And I keep telling them, no, the flu doesn't cause blood clots. It doesn't do this. No, I just can- just just tell them they lost the revolutionary war. Go get away. <laughs> no, there, there's some people that think that this is an entire hoax. One last thing he said, which is interesting. He said he never got COVID himself. Right. And it's true. You know, there's a paper by Sabine Hazen. You should follow her. She's really interesting. She studies the microbiome. And it is true. You can have a, a husband and wife and, and one of them have COVID, the other one not, and they can get all close contact and somebody cannot get it. About 15% of people cannot get COVID. They can't wow. get it. And it's because their microbiome is such where they, the virus can't take hold. Because yeah. they're patriots. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Dr. McCullough, real quick, tell everybody where they can find and support yes. all of your work. Oh, thanks. So go to my website, petermcculloughmd.com. That'll take you everywhere, including the wellness company. I've got the book, Courage to Face COVID-19, uh, Amazon, or the website, couragetofacecovid.com. Go to on weekends, America Out Loud Talk Radio, McCullough Report. It's hot. We've got a uh, huge following, international um, it comes out twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday, Apple, iHeart podcast network during the week. And uh, then Substack courageous discourse that's every day. And that's where almost every citation I've said is on courageous discourse. You know, one of the reasons why, uh, when I've testified in the Senate, Fauci and Walensky, and they, they don't show up because, you know, they'd have to just, we just have to discuss the papers. I just want to discuss the papers and they don't want to engage in a discussion. Because they know that what they're doing is pushing a false narrative. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Dr. McCullough, thank you so much, man. Uh, everybody, everybody out there, uh, make, sure you're, make sure you're following all of us. All the uh, links are going to be in the description and unjected.com. Go check it out, guys. So, all right. Yeah. Ladies. So much, thank you. Aloha. Aloha. Okay, well, that's that. All right, well, Dr. McCullough dipped out. It's just us, so we did it. I know, ladies, you got to run. What do you think? Was that fun or what? Well, what? Holy fuck, the phone okay, won't we're still, stop we're still, ringing. We're still, live. we're still live, you know. We're still live, but, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Oh, great. But anyway, I'll end, the, I'll, end, I'll end the call. Yeah, holy fuck, it's still ringing. Holy fuck. Oh, my fuck, we just talked to McCullough. Holy fuck. Okay, all right, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll Peace out, guys. We'll see you next week with another fantastic episode. Peace. Yes. Thank you so Thank much. You. Aloha, everyone.